what's up what's up what's up what's up everybody 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 you are listening to the bounce as always folks this is episode 61 my name is jabari anderson with the co-host l'oreal how are you doing l'oreal I'm doing fantastic, and I'm ready for another jam-packed episode, baby. Yes, another jam-packed episode. You already know what the deal is. Anyway, uh, you know, what, what happened this past weekend? Uh, NBA All-Star break, you know, or you could say the weekend, by the way. What is? What were you doing during the All-Star weekend? You know, I'm always tuning in during the All-Star weekend. I watch everything from the Celebrity All-Star game, Saturday night events, and, of course, the big event on Sunday night. All right, yeah, I would say there's there's a lot going on during the All Star Weekend. <laughs> oh man, it's just it, it was Cleveland just good. was popping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cleveland was popping. I mean, that's that's pretty much what you can say about Cleveland. It was popping. I'll say that right now, <laughs> right now. I I did like the fact that they did have you know not everybody but almost everybody of the you know of the seventy five greatest players that were there in Cleveland to introduce themselves. I thought that. The introduction was pretty good. I thought, you know, obviously not everyone was there because either they couldn't make it or they they passed away. It was great to see that. I see the introduction videos, see how they're introduced as the greatest forwards, centers, and guards. So I thought that was great. Speaking of the All-Star game, that was, I would say, you know, entertaining. And you know why it was entertaining? Because Steph Curry was balling. Steph Curry, yeah. this man, had 50 points. 56% shooting. He went 17 for 30 from the floor, 16 for 27 at the three-point line. I mean, that man, whew, that man was, it was enjoyable. And he won all-star MVP, by the way. And, and this is actually interesting. That was his first all-star MVP. You would have mm-hmm. thought for you would have thought for one second that he would have won at least, you know, two or three, but he only this is his first one. So I'm like, okay, you know, shout out to him. But anyway, during the all-star game, team LeBron beat team Durant and uh surprisingly or it's not surprised but when it comes to the all-star game team LeBron or a LeBron led team always finds finds a way to win so it seems like something's going right 163 to 160 but this is not just about the all-star game although it was fantastic we usually have conversations about who is the best player in the world who is the goat who is this who is that but a lot of times we don't speak about the face of the NBA and there are times people might say Steph, uh, James Harden at times, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Kawhi, Luka, LeBron. So, L'Oreal, I'm going to ask you this question right here. Who is the face of the NBA? Well, I think the face of the NBA is Giannis. And when you think about the face of the NBA, to me, I think it resonates with just being the best player in the world. Because when you think of, like, the face, and the face could be 40-year or years, or a generation, or a lifetime. But I think right now, when you think about who is the face of the NBA, who is that main guy, who is box office, who is the guy that everybody is really looking to beat, it's got to be Giannis. Because, of course, we know that him and the Bucks have won a championship last season. But I think people, especially this season, I think people don't really give Giannis enough credit for what he actually does as an NBA player. I mean, besides the fact that he's already having MVP numbers, 29, 11, and 6, let's just look at the last three seasons of what he's done. He's won two MVPs. I believe he's won Defensive Player of the Year, and he's won a championship. We haven't really heard that from anybody, you know, for a while, especially when you think about the player that Giannis is. 
Giannis, we know, is a big man. And usually he had to really play traditional basketball the way the centers do. But when you look at Giannis year by year in this season, he is defining what it means to be a center or what it means to be a player of his caliber. And I think that a big, big stat that really gives him, I think, more credibility of being the face of the NBA as opposed to a, like a LeBron or a Steph, think about his player usage rating. Besides Jokic, Giannis' player usage rating is the highest in the NBA. And when you think about the fact that this man only plays 32 minutes, but can still, but, but um, he can still score 50. He can still score 40. I mean, we saw when he scored 50 against the Pacers in that one game. And the fact that I believe he only made 22 shots and he and he only played 30 minutes. That just shows you how much the Bucs maximizes Giannis and how much Giannis can actually maximize his game. Because if you can only play 32 minutes or a limited amount of minutes compared to other stars who play a lot more and you can perform much more than they can, I think that shows how valuable Giannis is and how he really is the face of the NBA because no other player can really do that. And even though we know that Giannis and the Bucs right now are not in the best place right now in the league because right now the Bucs are fifth, we have to understand, too, that a lot of teams have done better than them and also because the Bucs, they haven't really been healthy. I mean, even with Giannis, if you do not have the big three or Brooke Lopez or other things like that, of course the team is not going to always be at first or even, you know, top one, two, or three. But what you have seen as of late is you have seen the Bucks getting better. And why is that? Because of Giannis. Because in Giannis, he said that every single time, and I believe he said in the press conference, when people asked him, you know, how do you feel about getting, you know, a 50-wing bucket or something like that? And he stated it clearly. He said, I don't care about you know, 50-point, 30-point, even 40-point games. I just want to win, and that's in my mindset. And we know that the Bucs, they have to make sure they get up to the standings. But the thing is, even the thing is, even if they are fifth right now, they are still East favorites, and it's because of Giannis. And also, just look at Giannis as a person. Giannis is a very funny, lovable, very nice person. When you think about his journey and where he has came from, I think a lot of people even more now that he has won the championship, people can relate to Giannis, you know, being um, an immigrant from Greece, having to sacrifice a lot for his family and for his brothers to even get where he is in the NBA when he first started and where he is right now. So when I think about the face of the NBA, and don't get me wrong, Steph, him putting up 50 points, we expect that from him. It was absolutely spectacular. We know that the Golden State Warriors, they are back up the pace, especially with Curry playing well. Draymond still playing formidable. You have Klay Thompson who's coming back. He's getting back into things. But when I just look at, like, who is the face of the NBA, I have to go with Giannis. And remember, Jabari, I did say that last season, I, I was the one who said that Giannis is the best player in the world until further notice. And I'm keeping that same energy. And what I'm seeing from Giannis, he still continued to prove to us why he can still be the best player in the world and in the face of the NBA. When I think about the face, uh, I think it's kind of tricky to me. It's very tricky because to me, the face of the league doesn't always need to be the best player in the league. And here's the reason why. Because when, I, when you think of the NBA, who is the main attraction, by the way? When you are the best player, that means you are better than anybody else. That doesn't mean you're you're always the face or you're the main attraction to the NBA. So when it comes to a face or the face, I mean, there's 
there's so many players who I could say that can that can be a face. Like 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 I said, it's not just LeBron James. It could be Steph Curry. It could be Luka. It could be Nikola Jokic. It could be Giannis. It could be at times James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. Um, I may I I could say Damian Lillard to some people. So it can go either way when you talk about a face in the NBA. If I have to go down to just one player, just one player, I might have to say Steph Curry. And the reason why, because Steph Curry is one of the most influential players ever. I'm going to say this again. Steph Curry is one of the most influential players ever, more influential than LeBron James. And here's the reason why. Steph Curry, when he steps, when he goes past half court, you immediately have to think about, this dude about to knock down this three. He's going to shoot. He's a shooter. He spread. And listen, he is spacing the floor like no other. Your centers are irrelevant because of Steph Curry. That's how it is, basically. The shooting is on a whole different level because of Steph Curry, a guy who changed the game and is a threat once he passed half court. It's just, it's just amazing to me. And, we, and, and when I speak about influential, I'm talking about on the court. I'm not talking about off the court. I don't think that we should go by off the court basis because speaking like in football, no one is ever going to say Tom Brady was more influential or the face of the NFL about what he did off, off the field. Nobody going to say that. No, you you probably didn't even know what Tom Brady was doing off the field. To be honest, like, let me be real. Let's be honest. So back to basketball, when you think about Steph Curry, everybody wants to shoot. Everybody wants to shoot threes. Everybody wants to shoot deep threes. Everybody doesn't care about going to the basket as much. And that's because of Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Now, now me personally, like I'm just saying for me, I listen, before Steph Curry, I was always that guy who could shoot the three. It didn't matter. I always, I always had the three-point shot. So I, I had that clip. So it didn't matter to me. You see that flick of the wrist right there? The, look, look, look at the flick of the wrist right there. But look at the flick of the wrist. So too easy. Yeah, exactly. It was too easy for me. So I was doing this before Steph Curry, but Steph Curry has influenced a lot of people and he's only six foot three, but to, to others, they're thinking Steph Curry's like, it's like us, like he's five foot five. Like that's what it looked like on the, on, on TV, Steph Curry, to, we can relate to Steph Curry because he looks short. And this, and this is a guy who is a leader on his team and is shooting all these threes and is winning multiple championships. Yes, he is definitely the face. Would I be okay if someone says LeBron is the face? Sure, yeah, LeBron could be the face. But I would say this, is it really your league? Or are you really the face of the NBA if you're getting beaten by a guy who could also be the face of the league as well? Yeah. <laughs> Think about this. Yeah. You lost, LeBron lost to Steph Curry three out of four times in the finals. How, how are you the face of the league? You lost to Kevin Durant back-to-back years in the finals. Now, yeah, KD has Steph Curry, but still, you lost to KD back-to-back years, and he won finals MVP. How are you considered the face of the league? And when people were saying that LeBron James showed in 2020, two years ago, that he was the best player, according to who? According to whose eyes? In the bubble? No, it didn't, it didn't show you that. It didn't show that he was the face of the league because it's not like he was going against Kawhi, KD, or Steph Curry in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. So my thing is that, for you to be considered the face of the league, you have like my, my thing is that if you are getting beaten by a top five player consistently, 
I can't see how this is. I can't see how personally, like me personally, especially when when the championship's on the line, I can't say that you are the face of the league. Not anymore. No. To me, LeBron James hasn't been the best player since 2018. Honestly, like when I think about it, and, and speaking of the face of the league, you can tell that it was that the NBA has been more than just LeBron James back in 2019. When the Lakers didn't make it to the playoffs, the NBA was still in good hands. Like the NBA, the NBA playoffs was still fine without LeBron James. Even last year, even when LeBron James got bounced at the first round with the Lakers, we still think that the playoffs are still great. The lead is still in good hands. So LeBron James, if I have to say who is the face, I can't say it's LeBron James anymore. It's Steph Curry. Yeah, I think that LeBron being the face of the NBA, it's been long gone. And that's totally okay. Because what people got to understand, like, when LeBron came into the league, he was a baby. I mean, he was only, like, 18 years old. So to see what he has done literally within the span of, like, two decades, that should be more than enough right now, you know? And I just don't think that LeBron really deserves to be the face of the league. I mean, we could talk about what he does mm-hmm. off the field, yep. you know, what he does in general, because we know that even if the Lakers are not in the best position this season, we know LeBron is still going to do the best that he can. And we know that LeBron, he's still going to produce the numbers that he can. But right now, just give somebody else a chance. Give Steph a chance. I mean, Steph has won multiple MVPs. Steph has won multiple championships. Steph's had, Steph has beat numerous records, including one this season. He deserves to be the face of the NBA. Look at what Giannis is doing. Season by season, Giannis is steadily crushing and beating numbers. We should give him an opportunity to be like, okay, he could be the face of the NBA. Because I'm telling you right now, if Giannis managed to win another championship next season, within the next couple of seasons, he's going. he's got to be in that conversation. He has to. He yeah. has to. I mean, and for him to do this at 27 years old, too, we have to talk about that. Well, listen, I think that internationally, if you talk about outside the U.S., I'm sure people are going to say Giannis is the face of, of the NBA. I'm sure people would probably say that. But I'm just looking at from, you know, if anybody for anybody who will say LeBron James, I just can't see how somebody could say that he still is the face. When I saw in the finals, he was beaten by 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 Steph Curry, who was one of the five, five best players in the league. He beat you three out of four times and KD beat you you know, back-to-back years in the final. So I'm just saying it's just, it's hard for me when when players who are in the top five who has consistent, consistently beat you in the finals, whether it's in the finals or in the playoffs, the those same players who are in the top five consistently beat you and you're considered the face of the league, I can't say that. I can't, I can't put that down, no. No, especially when you haven't, when you haven't overcome those, those, those obstacles and beat them back consistently. But you know what? Speaking of LeBron James, because, you know, this is interesting. We're going to talk about LeBron James now because, you know, because obviously LeBron James has been, you know, you would thought that LeBron James would be the most talked about in Cleveland uh, until Michael Jordan came. So until Michael Jordan came, you know, he, he stole the show in Cleveland. But anyway, yes. um, during a press conference, LeBron James was interviewed and obviously they wanted to ask about his time, about the possibility of maybe, you know, could, you know, could he possibly go come back to Cleveland, you know, play with the Cavaliers and whatnot. And he said that the door is not closed on that. I'm not saying I'm coming back and playing. I don't know. I don't know what my future holds. I don't even know when I'm free. My last year will be played with my son. 
wherever Bronny is at, that's where I'll be. I would do whatever it takes to play with my son for one year. It's not about the money at that point. So obviously he can't, I mean, you can't, it's not like he's a free agent after this season. He will be a free agent in 2023. And it's a possibility he could go to Cleveland. We don't know. Obviously we all know the young talent that's in Cleveland right now, all the young players that's there. Would you want to see LeBron James return to Cleveland after he's done with LA? No, absolutely not. And this is the reason why. You know me, Jabari, and you know that when, you know, I heard about this, it automatically made me think about what happened when he came into this that Lakers team. Mm. And remember, that Lakers team, they had a plethora of young guys, Josh Hart, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball. Um, I think I said Josh Hart. They had a plethora of young players. And we know that when LeBron came into L.A., obviously it was because of um, Rob Palenka and the rest of the office. Wanted to win a championship. Exactly. Wanted to win a championship at that time. And they got LeBron James. They got more pieces like Anthony Davis and all the pieces that we have seen that have eventually made the 2020 championship team. So when you think about the Cavs, I just don't want that to happen to the Cavs. And when you think about the Cavs right now, let's just look over what they're doing right now. They're fourth in the East, which I think is incredible because even though we know the Eastern Conference can still be a little bit abysmal sometimes, being fourth in the Eastern Conference is a great accomplishment, especially for Cleveland. Yes, and when you think Cleveland. about exactly, and what and when you think about what Cleveland has done, especially from the past couple of seasons, even make this team be a you know a potential playoff deep playoff contender it's just incredible to see you know you have Darius Garland who who, who was an all-star this year he's playing great you have Jared Allen who's really been holding down that five position he was an all-star Evan Mobley you drafted him last year look at what he's doing now especially starting you have Isaac Okoro you have Kira Levert who they just picked up, which I think will be great for that backcourt. You have other young, um, you have other veterans as well, like um, Rajah Rondo, which they just picked up. I think this team is really moving to a great direction of being young, being a great team offensively and defensively. They're a top five right now in defense. And that's good as well. Mm -hmm. So when you think of the, when you think of where Cleveland is going right now, why add LeBron into that? And my thing is, the reason why I'm asking that is because why? Why would you add that to that? Because we know, especially for LeBron James, and especially when we think about Cleveland and Dan Gilbert, if LeBron James get on the phone with Dan Gilbert and be like, hey, bro, I'm trying to run it back. You know, what can we do? (laughs) Dan Gilbert (laughs) is going to immediately, he's going to immediately make whatever changes he has to make. And if those changes has to deal with getting rid of those young players, no, absolutely not. I do not want that to happen. I do not. Because we know LeBron James, he is, especially in this 19th year, that father time window is it's, it's, it's approaching, it's closing. It's going to be close to closing. LeBron wants to win at this moment. Yeah, so wants to when win. you think about free agency come 2023, if LeBron were able to think about you know, if Bronny wanted to go to Cleveland or if he just wanted to go to Cleveland. Well, if Bronny get drafted, that's the real question. If he gets drafted. And that's another big question because even though I love Bronny as a kid, I think that he has talent. 
individually within themselves. I don't like when people try to compare him to LeBron James and stuff like that. Let no. Bronny be Bronny. We need to see if, you know, if even Cleveland will even consider thinking about drafting him. So when you just think about the possibility of LeBron James going to Cleveland, I just don't think it's a good situation at all because I think that what Cleveland is doing with the young talent that they have, they're building a core, they have a roster, they have guys that can play every position, offense and defense. Your team is fourth right now without LeBron James. So just think about that. I think Cleveland should just focus on their future Focus on the young guys. If you want to get more veterans, bring them along. But if you bring a LeBron James, I just see that as a recipe for disaster, especially for the young guys. And I'm sorry, like what happened to those Lakers guys? Kuzma, Ball, Randall, even though they have moved on and they have found Ingram. better situations. Yes, that him too, Brandon Ingram, even though they have found better situations for themselves right now. I just hate the fact that, they, you know, they had to deal with that because as young players, I can only imagine being in a situation where a guy just all of a sudden comes in and it's like, boom, you know, you don't even know if you're going to start. You might even be benched. Your position can't completely change. That's a lot, especially for a young guy who's trying to get into this league. So for Cleveland, I just hope that they don't do it because I just want them to just think about what they have right now in the current. LeBron James won't be a free agent until 2023. So we like so let's just pump the brakes right there. Like I said, we don't we don't know if he's going to sign an extension. We don't know if LeBron James is going to look. We don't know if he's going to stay with the Lakers for for three four more years. We don't know. We don't we don't know. Maybe he might say to the Lakers, you know what? I'm out at two, 2023. Me and Clutch Sports going to get the hell out get the hell out out of here. So you know I I can't roll with y'all like that. But we don't know. Anyway, let me, let me just put it this way. Let's just say this. What I want to see, I will say this. If I am Kobe Altman and Dan Gilbert and LeBron James wants to come to Cleveland, I'm not going to trade my young players just to have LeBron James on my team. Not whatsoever. No, not whatsoever. Now in that, would I even give LeBron James a max contract? Think about that right now. When I, LeBron James, when he comes, listen, when LeBron James becomes a free agent in 2023, he would then be, let's look at right now. LeBron James will be in year 21. Year mm. 21. He are, that means he, he already has played 20 years, 20 seasons. And now he wants, to, let's say he wants to come and play for Cleveland in year 21. Think about this right now. If you look at this, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers salary cap, they're at $63 million, right? $63 million. So that's, a, that's enough to, to sign a max player. That means that Love, Kevin Levert, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Ed Davis, and Ronjon Rondo are free agents. Now, let's mm -hmm. be very clear. Darius Garland is going to get a contract extension, so he's staying. Karis LeVert, I would I would assume that Karis LeVert would probably stay with Cleveland. I'm assuming. Colin Sexton, he'd probably be going. Kevin Love, I ain't gonna lie, listen, you, you've been good for Cleveland, but you're probably out too, respectfully. Rondo, same thing. Ed Davis, look, he, he's an NBA player. He'll get a job. But for LeBron James, if I am Cleveland, I'm not giving LeBron James a three, four-year max contract. I'm not doing that whatsoever. If I would, I would give this man a one or two year deal worth like 40 million, 40 million. And that would be in, and that two year, that would be a one for one because I'm not going to have him just suck up the salary cap just so I can have him on my team and have a chance to win. That's not happening. 
and the possibility that I might have to give up some of my young players to get LeBron, that's an absolutely no. And think about this too. When LeBron just comes to Cleveland, he will be the face of that team. He will be the face. He Listen, they will run their offense through LeBron. They're not going to think about Evan Mobley or think about Darius Garland or think about Kyrie LeVert. They're going to say, run your offense around LeBron James in year 21. And that will be a problem right there. In year 21, I'm not running my offense through nobody. Nobody. No, no, not whatsoever. I don't care if it's LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kareem, Magic, Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal. It doesn't matter. I don't care what the case is. LeBron James in year 21 should not have the offense run through him. No way. Is LeBron James okay playing as the number two, three, or four option on a team? We don't know. We, we, yes, exactly. We don't know. When Dwayne Wade went back to Miami, people would, would people say that he was the face of Miami when he came back? Maybe, maybe not. But it wasn't like Dwayne Wade overshadowed Miami when he came back. Exactly. He and not only that, he came off the bench, so which that helped out the young players in Miami. They did. And they eventually did win to the playoffs that year as well. I think that it would be great to see LeBron James come back to Cleveland if he is willing to sacrifice, sacrifice. If he's not, deuces. I don't want you in Cleveland. Just no, just no, not whatsoever. Listen, beforehand, I was cool the fact that maybe he can end his career in Cleveland, just like Cameron Garnett did before with Minnesota. Like he, he ended his career there. Magic ended his career as a Laker, Kobe as well. You have certain players that want to end their career where, where they first started, and that's cool. With LeBron James, because this man moves around a lot, I'm sorry. Where Cleveland is at, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not doing it, especially when this is the same franchise who people were dogging, who said that they wasn't going to go anywhere without LeBron James and said they're a lot of routine without LeBron. So they will go to the playoffs this year. And because they have something good with a nice GM and a nice coach with all this talent, yeah, I'm, I, I would not sacrifice my future for LeBron James to come. I don't care. All right, so Chris Paul suffered a right thumb injury against the Houston Rockets last Wednesday. It was their last game before All-Star break, and it is reported that he would miss about six to eight weeks. So around that time, he probably won't come back until, until la- the last week of the NBA regular season. So yeah, we'll probably see what happens right there. The, right now, the Suns are 48 and 10, first in the West, 6.5 games ahead of the Golden State Warriors, eight games ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies. How will CP3's injury affect the Suns? I think that his injury will affect the Suns to the point where, realistically, will they be number one? I don't think so. I think that this was allow, well, this will allow other teams like Golden State, Memphis. Um, even like a Denver to try to, you know, climb up the rankings just so that by the end of the playoffs, whoever wants a certain seating, they can get that seating because especially in the West, you want to be really high, not only so you not only that so you can have home court advantage, but just so that when you go through the entire playoffs, you want the best position possible. But other than that, I think that Phoenix will be just fine without Chris Paul. And here's why. I think the difference this season as opposed to last season is that a lot of these guys have matured and gotten better. And not only that, this team overall is equipped, I think, to do much better without Chris Paul as opposed to before. 
So when you look at the unit of guys that's there this season, that was there last season, like Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, who just recently sold that contract extension, you're seeing improvements in these players. Devin Booker, every night it seems like he, you know, he still continues to keep on the tear. He's just scoring points upon points upon points on everybody. Um, Devin Booker, he's looking unstoppable sometimes. When you look at DeAndre Aiden, I think DeAndre Aiden, he does have to work on being more aggressive. But I think in terms of his basic role, get rebounds, protect the paint, protect the rim, he has gotten better with that. Michael Bridges, he's doing a much better job of shooting and scoring. And even Michael Bridges, I'm sure this time around without Chris Paul, he'll be more into the pick and roll um, initiation because Devin Booker will most likely start that or, you know, the other point guards. And then you have Michael Bridges, you know, catching shots, making shots, doing whatever he has to do. I think defensively, this team is a lot better than what they were last season because you got JaVale McGee, you got Ben's back Biombo, two great guys who can rebound, protect the rim, protect the paint. And I think that helps Aiden as well because Aiden, he can learn from guys like Biombo or McGee on how to rebound more aggressively, how to attack the paint more aggressively, show up in the paint. Because there's some times where Aiden, let's say he going against a Giannis or even like a Vucevic, he might lose that matchup because he doesn't really know yet how to be more aggressive. So when you add guys like that to your defense to make it better and to make Aiden better, I think that this Suns team will be just fine because of that. I think that when you look at the point guard unit itself beyond Chris Paul, I think that they're going to be solid. You have Cameron Payne, who is injured, but he is supposed to be coming back this week, which is good. You picked up Alfred Payton, which I think has done well with getting his minutes. And you have Aaron Holiday. And you have Landry Shaman, who is still injured, which I'm not sure if he will be coming back soon. But I think that starting Cameron Payne or starting Alfred Payne, that's going to help a lot for Phoenix because they already know how to play with guys like Bridges and Booker and Aiden. And I think as well as, and when you really think about Chris Paul's leadership, I think that a Cameron Payne will be much more prepared this time around to take over that point guard spot, maybe more so than what he was last season, because last season he had to take over because Chris Paul was injured. And we know what, you know, Cameron Payne or Alfred Payton is capable of, but when you ask them to move up to the starting spot, they're getting more minutes, they're getting more roles, getting more opportunities. That can be difficult at first, but I think eventually down the line, when you think of how well this team plays, I think that the point guard spot will be just fine. And that's the biggest thing with Phoenix. I think what people are not really grasping with Phoenix, and we get it. We know that they went to the finals last year. Injuries or not, they made it to the finals. We know that they lost, you know, underwhelmingly, most people will say, to the Milwaukee Bucks. But when you look at Phoenix now, the Phoenix players besides Chris Paul has gotten better. They are playing as a team. I mean, Phoenix is the only team that I could think of that plays a great prick and roll, that actually has some flow to their offense, has a flow to their defense. They just play good team basketball throughout 48 minutes every single night. And this team is not new to success. I mean, last year they were second in the West, which was a surprise to most people. They made it to the finals. They still have a great coaching staff with Monty Williams. I think that even if Chris Paul is out, it might hurt them because, of course, you have to deal with facing the woes that you have without a Chris Paul, a guy who is the point guy, 
a floor general. He is still defying what it means to be Chris Paul and a point guard with his numbers this season before he got injured. But Phoenix, as long as everybody plays their role, they continue to play team basketball. On top of that, their schedule is not really hard. When you look at their schedule, when you look at the rest of March and April, they're going against mostly half under 500 and half, you know, plus 500 teams. But the records are good. I mean, the records against under 500 teams is like 29 to 6. And then when you look at plus 500 teams, it's 19 to 6. So Phoenix is more than capable of going through the stretch without losing their seating and while making sure that once Chris Paul comes back into the playoffs, they're going to be ready to go. I think that a lot of people don't understand how value Chris Paul means to this team. Chris Paul right now, he's averaging 14 points, 10 assists, and four rebounds. A lot of people care about, you know, about the 14 points. I forget all that. Chris Paul has made sure that that this team is the number one seed, not only in the West, but in the league. They have the best record in the NBA. He is the reason why. When Devin Booker is in and out of the lineup, they're still number one. When DeAndre Aiden is in and out of the lineup, they're still number one. They have a deep roster. I get that. But Chris Paul is the reason why they are fourth in offensive efficiency. They are fourth in points, third in defensive efficiency, sixth in opponent points allowed. People don't understand. Fifth in assists. Chris Paul is the reason for that. And I think that because when Chris Paul comes to your team, you make an instant impact. Like, honestly, honestly, teams get better when they have Chris Paul on their team. And when you don't have, and then when Chris Paul leaves your team, you actually get worse. Now, this is absolutely true. Think about this. New Orleans, LA, Clippers, uh, Houston, OKC, and now Phoenix. Like, people can understand Chris Paul impact is so spectacular that it still still is is an insult to Chris Paul that he has not won an MVP yet. Like, seriously, yeah. I, I, he should he should have at least had one, one MVP. And I think that it's just disrespectful for that. Listen, Chris Paul right now, the fact that he's hurt, not only does it hurt, hurt his chances to win MVP, but, oh, man, it's like every single time you hear this man getting hurt, rather last year when he got hurt in the first game against the Lakers, you're like, right, oh, suffer a right shoulder injury. You're like, oh, my God. What what is this? He's hurt again, and then and then he was able to play through it, and he was fine until the playoffs, where you heard that he was hurt once again. And it's like, Gosh. oh my gosh! I'm, here's here's what I would say. I think that this can affect the Suns, maybe not in the regular season, but come come during playoff time. And here's the reason why I say that: because in the regular season, like I said, Golden State six point five games behind, right? So go to state. I would say that Phoenix could lose the number one seed, but because go to state still doesn't have Draymond Green back, that's also alarming. And let me say this: the fact that Draymond Green has not played for a while is very alarming. And people are not talking about this. People are not talking not about it. about the absence of Draymond Green. I don't care about oh well the go to state Warriors were in a nine game was on a, what was it like a nine game winning streak before before they start losing when. Draymond Green is so valuable to the Warriors that, I mean, seriously, if Draymond Green is not on the floor, I don't care what the Warriors, I don't care what Steph, Clay, Wiggins do. They're not winning the title without Draymond. Best period. They're not winning the title without Draymond Green. I don't care what anybody say. He's their best best defender on that team. He's one of their leaders of that team. He means so much 
they're not winning the title. But anyway, the absence of Draymond Green, and then I look, I see Memphis, they're having a great season. Cool. But do I see a situation where I'm thinking, oh, I think that they can they can get the number one seed? No. No, not whatsoever. Now, I was concerned about where the Suns were at, but because the Warriors don't have Draymond Green, and I'm not believing in Memphis taking that spot, I think the, the Suns would be just fine. If, if anything, it will be close. Maybe it will be close later on in the season that instead of being, you know, instead of like it being 6.5 games, it'll probably be maybe like th- maybe two or three games, you know, apart. So we'll, we'll definitely see what happens. By the time Chris Paul could come back, Chris Paul could come. Let's say it, let's say that he'll come back in six weeks, right? In six weeks, the Suns will have about eight games, right? Eight games. If he, let's say that he comes back in seven weeks, they will have about five games. And if he comes back on the eighth week, he he probably have to come back the last game of the regular season or come when when the playoffs is about to begin. I think that because the Suns are listen, they're they they have the best record. They're like head and shoulders above anybody in the West right now. Probably anybody in the in the East. They are the favorites to come out the West. And I think because of where they're at right now, it's okay for Chris Paul to say, you know what, Chris Paul, rest your right thumb, give some time because this is his, this is a shooting hand. This is yes. if, if it was his left hand, bro. He no it play. Listen. You know, take some time, take like three, four weeks, and then come right back. Because this is a shooting hand, oh, they need that hand. Chris Paul needs that hand because this is a shooting hand. So I think that they will be fine come down regular season. But come playoff time, maybe in the second, third, or even the finals, it's, you keep your eyes on Chris Paul because this man, there's, there's always something going on with Chris Paul when it comes to his health. It's his hand, thumb, shoulder knee his hamstring like i it's always frustrating because every single time when you think it's going to be his time he's always getting hurt so we'll see we'll see what happens though we'll see what happens i mean it it hurts his chances to win mvp this season but i think that the suns will like i said keep your eyes on the suns come playoff time because that right thumb can be an issue come that time but in regular season no they'll be fine Last but not least, when we talk about football, let's also bring this up. So obviously the LA Rams, you know, they are the Super Bowl champs. They, they had their parade. They had their little small parade. There was a lot. There was, there was definitely not a lot of people that showed up to that parade. And it's, it's LA, baby, you know, palm trees. There's a beach, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it just showed you it will always be a Laker town, no matter what. I mean, they care. It's, it's Lakers, Dodgers. Maybe the Kings and then the Rams. <laughs> like, seriously, I mean, for <laughs> like for real, they don't, they don't, listen, LA don't really care about football like that. But anyway, since the Rams are the champions, there has been talks coming from Aaron Donald and Sean McVay that, hey, let's, let's run it back. Let's run it back. L'Oreal, do you think that they should run it back? I mean, why not run it back? You have the pieces. You have a quarterback in Matthew Stafford who has proven to you that, you know, even going through trials and tribulations, he can get you to the promised land. He could be a quarterback that you can build around. He's a quarterback that you can win with. So if Matthew Stafford is okay with running back, obviously the biggest question for him come next season is, can he do it again? Because it's not going to be easier. I'm sure it's going to be much more tougher coming to next season. And also, let's not forget, the Rams are in the NFC. That's still a very, very tough conference. 
So that that is a question for Stafford, but you have a quarterback that can prove to you that he can help you win. Not only that, you have the weapons that you have. Now, of course, there might be some questions with the wide receiver or the offensive core, because even though you have Cooper Cup, um, OBJ, you know, he suffered that horrific injury during the Super Bowl. And most likely because of the fact that it is an ACL injury, he might not even come back for next season. And that is going to be devastating, especially to Matthew Stafford. But there is some brighter things. Robert Woods, you know, he was out last season. There is, there could be a chance that he could come back this upcoming season. I wouldn't be surprised if he could come back. Um, I think about Cam Akers, the fact that you had him back literally, I think, five or five to six months after tearing his Achilles. He's going to be back coming next season. He's going to be fully healthy this time. So I think that what the Rams want to do, especially looking at their core being a little bit limited, why not use Akers more so and actually run that running game with him preferably being the number one option? And then you have Daryl Henderson as a number two option. Um this defense still going to be intact. You have Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey. I think that the experiment of adding, excuse me, a Von Miller into this defense that was already quote unquote stacked to some people, I think amplified the defense even more. So just imagine these three guys, they come back next season. They're going to be ready to go against any team they face. And on top of that, you still have a great coach in Sean McVay. He already proved to us that, you know, as a young NFL coach, he can defy the odds as a coach in general. He has managed to do a lot of what he has done with this team, with Stafford, and even the team back in the day with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley, and they still had Aaron Donald and a great defense. So for the Rams, why not run it back? You know, next season is going to be much tougher. Like It's going to be much tougher than last season. A lot of teams are going to be coming for them. I mean, we can just imagine if other teams like the Cardinals or even like Green Bay – you know, or San Francisco, you know, what, you know, what can they do in the NFC come next season? But for the Rams, I think if they have the pieces and the intangibles, it just makes sense just to run it back. Because when you think about it, Jabari, a lot of these teams don't have a chance to run it back, you know, like the Buccaneers, we thought the Buccaneers could run it back. We was fooled because they had so many. Some people thought so. Some people did. (laughs) I I didn't. I just, some people thought they could run it back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. But when you look at the Bucks trying to run it back last season, they couldn't because unfortunately they were just plagued by so many injuries. So for the Rams, just run it back. See what happens. Well, I'll say this. I think they should run it back. Obviously, listen, you, I mean, my thing is if I won a championship the season before, yeah, I want to run it back next season. I mean, that's to me, that's common sense. But anyway, here's the reason why they should run it back. Think about this in the NFC. Who do you have to worry about? Green Bay? Respectable. We'll see. Listen, that 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 all depends if Aaron Rodgers stays or not. Because listen, Aaron Rodgers could probably leave Green Bay next season. We don't we don't know. So that's that's kind of iffy, you know what I'm saying? But let's say you got Green Bay. After Green Bay, respectable, you got to worry about the 49ers. Jimmy G or not, you still have to worry about the 49ers because the 49ers in your division, that's gonna be that's gonna be something you gotta worry about. Outside of those two. Maybe the Seahawks, maybe because of Russell Wilson, maybe the Seahawks, but we got, but they got to get their act together. We got to see what happens in Seattle before we can talk about anything else because Russell Wilson might be out. Are you worried about the Cowboys? No. Are you worried about the Saints? I mean, look, Jameis Winston, I mean, let's, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Like, you know what I'm saying? But you're not worried about it. Like, they, they, listen, they, they're not in Super Bowl contention. The Buccaneers, the problem with the Buccaneers, Tom Brady retired. You, you don't know if Leonard Fournette's going to come back. Gronk, 
Is he going to come back? Maybe me Chris not. Chris Godwin? Uh, yep, yeah, Chris Godwin. Oh, that, that man's gone. Their defense, look, they, they got to worry about their defense too. So when you look at the NFC, a lot of things you could say outside of Green Bay and the 49ers, I think that the that the Rams could be all right. Now, the, the one thing you would say, would they be able to repeat? Because it's hard to repeat. Because even yes. though it may not be a dogfight in the NFC, it, it may be a dogfight in their own division because the NFC, oh, NFC yeah. West is going to be a dogfight. It it, it's a dogfight in the AFC. The AFC is going to be a dogfight for sure. So let's say the Rams do come back to Super Bowl next year. Whoever comes out of the AFC, it's going to be it's going to be interesting because it's hard to repeat. It is hard to win back to back in the NFL. <laughs> okay, like ask Pat, ask, ask Pat Mahomes if it's hard to repeat. Ask Tom Brady if it's hard to repeat. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> it is extremely difficult to repeat. So to me, I think they should listen. Run it back, run it back, run it back. See how it goes. If you don't get it. It is what it is, but at least you didn't. At least you tried. At least you tried. Right. At but least you, you did try. the first time. Right, <laughs> exactly. Especially how the NFC East. I mean, well, not the, not the East because we ain't talking about the East. But this, the way how the NFC is right now, yeah. Try to see if you can make it to the Super Bowl once again. All right, folks, let's get started for the quick takes of the Bounce Podcast. So let's get it on right now. So past All Star Weekend, we had obviously the Saturday night Saturday night main event of the dunk contest and a lot of people would say this was the work worst dunk contest that they have ever seen and it was pretty terrible i forgot who who won the dunk contest again obi obi Toppin, right obi Toppin, Toppin, yes. right I, I completely forgot who won the dunk contest anyway l'oreal should the nba dunk contest no longer be a saturday night main event I don't think so because the all uh, the slam dunk contest. I mean, it's a part of the All Star Game culture, and no matter how bad it's been going, you know, this season we could say the past couple seasons, it will always remain its culture. And I just think that hopefully this season, you know, of what happened in this year's All Star contest, I do think that the league or whoever you know operates it, they need to do some more thinking about the contest. I think the number one thing, the number one thing. Get guys that are actually guys who can dunk. I'm sorry, but Cole Anthony and Jalen Green may be an Obi Toppin because we, you know, based off what he's done so far with the Knicks and in college, those guys are not guys who who are dunkers. Absolutely when I think not. of dunkers, I think of like Anthony Edwards, Miles Bridges, you know, even a John Collins from Atlanta. I just think that the main reason why I think that the main reason that main contests have not done well is because they haven't put guys who can actually dunk. And I think at this point is beyond Kevin Durant, LeBron James, or even the Russell Westbrook, bring in these guys who are younger and are guys who can actually dunk. Not like, and I'm not trying to be mean to Jalen Green or Obi Toppin, but don't give us these guys that people don't know. Don't do that. On Sunday, U of M went against Wisconsin, and it was a blowout. You know, it was a 15-point lead, by the way. But that's not the story that we're going to talk about. Juwan Howard got into a physical altercation with not only the coach, but with the assistant coach of Wisconsin. Now, let's be very clear. The the head coach did put his hands on Juwan Howard as well. With that being said, because Juwan Howard did hit the assistant coach, he did get suspended for five games. That's basically the rest of the regular season and was fined $40,000. Was this fair punishment for Juwan Howard? 
I think that this is fair punishment only because here's the thing. Five games. I thought that he should at least have four, but obviously this, the regular season is about to be in anyway. I mean, next month is going to be March Madness, and we, we'll see if, they, if they'll even be in the tournament or not. They might be in the NIT. We don't know. But anyway, Jawan Howard, who is the head coach of U of M Wolverines, I would say this. You you should have done that. I don't think that he should have did the overhanded hit. Not Maybe one of our the assistant coach of Wisconsin – but if you're a head coach, period, the coach from Wisconsin, you can't put your hands on me. Now, I don't no. care what it is. You don't put your hands on me. If I didn't want to shake your hand, I'm not going to shake your hand. But don't put your hands on me. I'm not saying what Juwan Howard did was acceptable. But one thing that you don't do is put your hands on me. And for that assistant coach, don't you put your don't put your hands on one of my players. Don't yeah. do that. Don't don't do that. That one bit. I'm not saying that Juwan Howard was right for what he did. I don't think that he should have done what he did. No. I'm not saying that. That's why I say, yes, he should be suspended. But for any of y'all who believe he should have been fired, you out your damn mind. Yeah. Somebody he should have been fired. fired. Get the hell out of here. They, they want to because they because they see a high profile head coach in a high Mike profile, man. yes, high profile university like U of M. And they and they think that, oh, well, I think he should be fired. Stop that nonsense. Y'all saying that because he was part of the Fab Five. Okay, I need to stop that nonsense. Suspended, yes. Give him a five five game suspension, and then he'll come back when the Big Ten tournament comes. And everything's gonna be fine. Stop the nonsense. Talk about he should be fired. So Rich Paul made it to the news once again. You know LeBron's boy, right? You know LeBron's boy. So <laughs> LeBron's boy, Rich Paul, has something nice to say. Well, something interesting, some high praise for for LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. The role for LeBron was just as hard, if not harder than the role was for Michael for a number of reasons. And I think the biggest reason is everyone wants to do something the way someone else did it previously. He also said that there were more people that smile and hope LeBron failed than there ever was rooting for him to succeed in the beginning. L'Oreal, do you believe that LeBron James had a harder road than Michael Jordan? No, I don't. I mean, LeBron and Michael, they clearly had two different roles when you think about, you know, the very beginning of how MJ started his career and LeBron started his career. But LeBron's career is not harder. I'm just so tired of people making it seem like whether it be the people that he played with or literally the NBA itself, I'm tired of people making it seem like people were just coming out to destroy LeBron and things like that. Like, come on now, let's be clear. When we look at LeBron's career, we can say that reasonably when, when he was in Cleveland, when he was very young, and probably when he went back to Cleveland, he might have had some hard times because he had a hard time getting the team to the finals. And when they got to the finals, they got uh, swept, I believe, by the Spurs. And then when you look at after the Cleveland, you know, he went back to back to back to back to back, literally four straight finals appearances so he can win more than one ring against the Warriors. Clearly that didn't work because of Kevin Durant and the team just being better. But other than that, like, I'm just tired of people making it seem like LeBron was given the fail. Like, people really forget that Michael Jordan was not perfect. 
Michael Jordan was the same Michael Jordan who got cut in high school by his basketball team. And that forced him to get taller and to get bigger for him to make it to the team. I mean, he went through kind of a similar route in the NBA. Remember, Jabari, the Detroit Pistons had beat the Chicago Bulls three times in the Eastern Conference Finals. Three times. And if anybody watched the last dance, they seen how frustrated and how mad that Michael Jordan was. He felt very just I'm sure disgusting of himself that he even let that happen and guess what he did he worked hard in the gym he gained some muscle he got mentally mentally tougher and what happened the season right after that they ended up beating the Pistons so for people making the seem like you know MJ is invincible because he has a 6-0 final record or that he's perfect as opposed to LeBron James stop it stop it these guys have went on two kind of similar you know, um, trajectories to get into the NBA. And just because LeBron James has been through 10 finals appearances or the fact that he had to go against the Golden State Warriors so many times, that was not the NBA doing that to him. He wanted it, so clearly he got it. That's how I look at it. Major League Baseball postponed spring training through March 5th, 2022. Why is that? Because the Players Association and the lead are still working on the CBA deal. They still have not made a deal yet, and they're still having issues of what's going on, and that's the reason why we haven't had any spring training as of right now, no pitchers or catchers meeting, and there, there hasn't really been any free agency, if you want to be honest. The last, I mean, the last time we had a free agency was probably in November. Really, there really hasn't been much going on in the offseason for baseball, so it's been an issue. Are we going to have a baseball season? Well... Um, I hope that there is a baseball season this year because one thing I don't want to experience is what happened in 1919, well, 1990, not 1990, what the heck am I thinking? In 1994, in 94, there was a baseball season and then it got canceled because the Player Association and the owners were fighting about the CBA. It, it, so it's nothing new. They were on, they were on strike. They canceled the season in the middle of the year. The middle of the season mm-hmm. in the summertime. So then we're all, so then people are kind of thinking like, dang, like there's not going to be any more baseball, no playoffs, no World Series. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do from July to October? I don't know. Right. And, then, and then in 1995, because they were still on strike, <laughs> like like seriously, we they were still on strike. So I hope hopefully that it doesn't turn out that way where we have to wait until maybe not even just april but if we have to wait until may or june it's like yeah i just want to watch i just want to i just want to watch baseball man like let let them play get get it together because at the end of the day it's about money owners are trying to make sure they 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 don't pay players as much and players want more money i mean because at the end of the day these owners are billionaires these guys are billionaires all the players are thinking listen let me get my fair share because y'all gonna make more than us so let's get my let me get my check let me get more money than listen let me get more money than i'm usually getting come on let's be let's be real let's keep it 100 and usually i think that the owners the lead is actually doing a bad job on on definitely with these minor leaguers i think that these that that the players who are who are in the minor league, they should get more opportunities for sure and get and get and get a better opportunity to see if they can make it to Major League Baseball. Well, eventually, Major League, because it's a very unfortunate what's going on right now, especially that there's a lim- there there are limited times of when they could be in Major League or not. So I think they I think the minor leaders, mm-hmm. the players who are in the minor league should get more opportunity to see if they can make it to the major leagues. Not only that, like I said, 
money is always going to be part of the conversation. Money is definitely going to be an issue on why the CBA is not where it's at. So we'll see if they can get it done by February 28th because whew, <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, spring training is not here yet. They got a couple I hope games. so. Yeah, these games are already canceled. So technically, spring spring training should already start, but it's not. But hopefully they'll have a baseball season. So let's get back to the NBA. Now, L'Oreal, around this time last February, we were talking about Anthony Davis suffering an injury. He was going to be out for how long? And we were asking, you know, how, like, should the Lakers be worried? Like, or how worried should the Lakers be since Anthony Davis has been out? And (laughs) why is that? Because last Wednesday, Anthony Davis suffered another injury. And this was a gruesome injury. It was an ankle injury. Did you saw that video? When, yeah, when you sure. saw that, when you saw that he rode his right ankle, you you really thought that he broke his ankle. Like it was like, what? It was broken? Like it was, it was it was nasty. It was kind of nasty. And the reports came out, they said that they're gonna re they're gonna re-elevate him in four weeks. But let's be real, he's not gonna be out for four weeks. He's gonna be out more than four weeks, by the way. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'll be surprised if he comes back before Chris Paul. That's how mm. bad. Because he's so fragile. But anyway, we understand where the Lakers are at. They are 27 and 31. The Lakers, when when Anthony Davis actually came back, they were four and seven. So it's not like he made the team better. It's not like they won more games with Anthony Davis. Anyway, he's averaging 23-9, shooting 53% from the field. Is it now time for the Lakers to trade Anthony Davis? Absolutely. And I think that the Lakers come this offseason. They should blow everything up. I really do. And really? here's why. Yes, I think that the Lakers, I think it's time for the Lakers to blow everything up. And here's why. When we think about this Lakers team, and oh God, Lord have mercy. <laughs> where, where, where you want to start? Where you want to <laughs> This man cannot stay healthy. He just cannot <laughs> stay healthy. And we have talked about this literally since the New Orleans days that this man cannot stay healthy. Do you know how bad that is, Jabari, that we've been talking about this since the New Orleans days? And literally, yeah. like, it, it it was pretty far, but it wasn't that too long ago that he was playing for New Orleans. But anyway, this man can just not stay healthy. And for the Lakers, they just got to be like, oh, my God. Because it's like we know that when Anthony Davis is healthy, he is the best big man, period. Like, with no question, he is the best big man based off of how he can perform, what he can do when healthy. But when he's not healthy, he's just a straight-up liability. And I think for the Lakers, you have to think about a lot of things. Anthony Davis' free agency is coming soon. I think Russell Westbrook's coming soon. Well, we mean coming soon. We mean coming soon. I don't know about coming soon. He's, you know, he, he signed that contract extension, you know, a year ago. But, but, but keep going. Absolutely. But that's the point. Like the window, especially when you think about this big three, is closing more and more and more and more. And for the Lakers to think that they have any chances or want to have any chances of really winning the championship, I think that they have to think about Anthony Davis. And I said this before, Jabari, that every single time when the Lakers get into this bad position or if Anthony Davis is just can't stay healthy, they have to constantly think about him because come this offseason, or probably the next couple of seasons, they're going to think about making some changes. And I think they have to make some changes because Anthony Davis, as good of a center and as good as a player he is, he's very, very talented. This man cannot stay healthy. 
And if you want to continue down a run or a path of being, you know, the favorites in the West, being champions, anything of that nature, you have to get rid of Anthony Davis because if this man cannot stay healthy, you can't keep him for no longer. And I think that when you think about, you know, the state of the West, when you think of like other centers in the Western Conference, just other players in the Western Conference, I think that the Lakers should be maybe thinking of replacing him because it's not like, and of course you can't replace Anthony Davis, but at this point, what can you do with Anthony Davis who's injured? What can you do with Exactly. What can you do with a LeBron James who is approaching father time and he's getting injured and we don't know if he's going to get injured again or, or, you know, or even if LeBron can even stay in the league come one to two years. We don't know that. And for Russell Westbrook, I just think that the Lakers just want to get rid of them because they just thought about how, you know, much they regret that decision. But who knows? The Lakers might be regretting the decision to get Anthony Davis because remember, to get Anthony Davis, the Lakers had to give up a lot. Uh, draft picks, younger players, they have to give up a lot to get Anthony Davis, which was fair because during that time they made that trade within that one to two year window, they won the championship. So it was worth it. But for the Lakers, they have to think long term because short term is not going to keep coming. Eventually, you know, you can get a star to play in L.A., of course. But also when you think about what's happening right now, you have to think about how your team is going to look. Because the team, even if you have Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Westbrook, the team overall doesn't look good. So I just think that with the Lakers, they need to think about trading Anthony Davis because I think the Lakers, they want a better center, a different center, a more healthier center. Um, They need to address their defense quickly because for them to even be remotely the team that they was in 2020, you have to get more free agents. You have to get more guys, maybe younger guys, veterans, guys who can play defense for you. And what have you done? You know, right now you haven't done really, you haven't really done anything because Anthony Davis not playing. Um, maybe Dwight Howard could get more minutes, but I don't think Dwight Howard's going to change anything. You know, no offense no. to Dwight Howard. No, no, and you no. don't have anybody, exactly. You don't have anyone else who can give you that defense that you need. So for the Lakers, if you want to win a championship, you're just going to have to blow it up. Your time has come. You did what you had to do to win a championship, to keep you guys relevant. You guys have done that. But you're literally hitting rock bottom. Like, they're ninth in the league right now. And like I said, I don't mm-hmm. see this Lakers team, whether they're healthy or not, I don't see this Lakers team being any team in the Western Conference that's above them. And to be real, I don't even think the Lakers can be any team that's even below them. Because that's how bad the Lakers are. This Lakers team is just god awful, and I think for them to want any contention in the future, you have to trade Anthony Davis. You just have to. If this man cannot stay healthy, how about this? Trade Anthony Davis for Zion Williamson. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Hey, hey, New Orleans, your problem for my problem. (laughs) Anyway, let me say this. The Lakers better be lucky they won that championship two years ago. Because oh, yeah. listen, if they didn't win that bubble championship, it probably will be going. It it probably would have gone down as one of the worst trades in NBA history. Seriously, absolutely. absolutely. Think about think about this because everybody would have said you trade away Ingram, Hart, uh, Lonzo Ball, all these draft picks just to get a fragile Anthony Davis. When AD first came to the Lakers, I said. Okay. All right, nigga. I, nigga, I was like, okay. Now, listen, the Lakers won a championship in the bubble. Cool. You won a championship. So it was all worth it at the end. But I was like, 
y'all expecting AD to be the next Lakers great. Like, you know, like, you know, you had, you know, beforehand you had Magic, Kareem, Magic, Shaq, Kobe, then LeBron. They say after LeBron, it's going to be Anthony Davis. What does no. this show you? No, no, no. And, and here's the why. He can't stay healthy. They worry about Kawhi Leonard can't stay healthy. But listen, at least we have seen a, we have seen Kawhi Leonard lead a team to the playoffs, lead a team to a championship. He can yes. be that guy. Anthony Davis, we ain't never seen Anthony Davis be that guy. And, and as a matter of fact, I don't think Anthony Davis even care about being the leader or that guy. Think about it. He, he don't really care about that. When he is healthy, this man puts up, what, 23 and 9, and it's like, where did he get his 23 points from? Like, like seriously. <laughs> Where, that where, is where, true. Honestly, honestly, yeah. when he when he listen, sometimes when he go against the best players, he performs well, and then others is like he he performs well, but it's no impact. Like honestly, I mean, you you saw when he was going against the when he was going against Giannis one on one, well not one on one, but when when it was the Bucks versus Lakers, Giannis outplayed Anthony Davis. Absolutely. Seriously, it was like when when you found out, I was like Anthony Davis went eight for ten, and he had like twenty some points. It's like. I couldn't tell because Giannis was giving him buckets. Where was where was AD at? I mean, I, AD all done. There's a, re- <laughs> I mean, seriously, there's a reason for that. The problem with Anthony Davis is that he's not made to be your number one option. He can act like he's the number one option, but he's never that number one guy. I don't even think he's a top five player, not even at his peak. He's at best a top 10 player. Everything has to go right for for you to have Anthony Davis get you to get you to the playoffs. Everything has to be right. Like you need the right point guard. You need the right center. You need the right small forward. Like Anthony Davis is not that guy who you could say you could put them on any team and they're going to go to the playoffs. Now, of course, not, that's not the case for everybody. That's, and that's cool. But Anthony Davis is not the type of guy who I would say, I will build my team around to win a championship. And it's a damn shame that LeBron James is still the best player on that Lakers team, and AD is like where in year nine, year ten, really? Yeah, really. LeBron James is still the best player. Is in year nineteen, and he's better than Anthony Davis. That is a damn shame. That is a damn shame. And I would say this right now: Would you trade Anthony Davis? If so, who? And I said I would trade Anthony Davis for Damian Lillard. Because why? Because I can guarantee you, I know that he'll be healthy. Yeah. Two, Damian Lillard is more dependable than than Anthony Davis. And also here's another two, Damian Lillard can close. I don't know if Anthony Davis can close. People could talk about that, you know, Anthony Davis. He, Anthony Davis, he's a good two-way player. He can score. He can defend. Yes, at what cost? At what cost? As a number two, three, four guy? Not a number one? When is this man going to get hurt? Even the year when the Lakers won a championship, if he gets bumped, he's always like, oh. If he's if every single time he's on the ground, he's always cringing something. Like, bro, what's going on? And then last year, you saw what happened in the regular season. And you saw what happened in the playoffs. This man can't stay healthy. They got to trade this man because where the Lakers are at, especially this year, whew, you know, LeBron James did say keep that same energy. And we didn't forget about that. The Lakers are not going to win the championship this year. We all know that. But if they miss the playoffs, we going after LeBron's head. Street clothes, Anthony Davis. You already know the deal is. We all know. We already know what's gonna happen to AD. But Lord have mercy. Yeah. Who don't miss the playoffs? Because we know you're not gonna win the title. But you know what's gonna happen. You know it's crazy that 
we're all talking about 80s injury and LeBron's injury. Well, you know, because he's been in and out of the lineup this season. But Russell Westbrook has been the most healthiest Laker on this team. Yes, he, he is. And he's the most crucified player on this team. Like, huh? This man is getting crucified more than LeBron and AD. And he's been on the court more times than they have. He's only missed one game. So for our final topic, we, you know, originally was supposed to talk about this before the All-Star game. But we're going to talk about it right now. So the NBA announced the 15 greatest coaches in NBA history. Because obviously, you know, we, we spoke about the NBA we're going to talk about the coaches. 15 greatest coaches in NBA history. Here we go. 15. Ren Archibald, Larry Brown, Chuck Daly, Red Horseman, Phil Jackson, Casey Jones, Steve Kerr, Don Nelson, Greg Popovich, Jack Ramsey, Pat Riley, Doc Rivers, Jerry Solon, Eric Spolscher, and Lenny Wilkins. So, Obviously, four of these, four out of 15 of these coaches are active right now. So shout out to all of them. Congratulations. L'Oreal, do you have, what are your thoughts about this list? I think that this list overall is just nice to see, like, the excellence that we've seen in these coaches. You know, Larry Brown and Chuck Daly, what they have done for Detroit. And we can even talk about Steve Kerr and what he has done, whether it be when he was on that Bulls team and what he could be able to transpire into this Warriors team and what they have done in their success. Um, a couple things about the list. One thing, I want to defend Eric Spolscher being on this list because I know a lot of people are kind of a little bit um, iffy about whether he should be on this list or not. I think that Eric Spolscher deserved to be on this list, and here's why. When you think about specifically that big error with Miami, of course, LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh being there, one of the greatest big threes that we've seen. Uh, we know that Pat Riley had a lot to do with Miami's success as well. But when you really think about who really underlies through the Miami Heat success, and I think people don't really talk about, and I don't know why, it's Eric Spolstra. Because Eric Spolstra, is he the best coach in the world? Absolutely not. There's been times where he has made some questionable moves. But I would say that Eric Spolstra, he has been a key reason to the culture of the Miami Heat. I mean, when you think about way before LeBron even came to the picture, the Miami Heat has still managed to win a championship with just D-Wade. And when they had Shaquille O'Neal and other great players, you think about when Eric Spolstra was a part of them making it to four straight finals. And on top of that, they won those back-to-back -back finals in Miami when they had LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. And even beyond when LeBron left, just think of how Eric Spolstra has managed to keep the Miami Heat relevant. Because think about it. After LeBron and them departed and that whole team was no longer, the Miami Heat could have been irrelevant for much longer. But Eric Spolstra didn't want to do that because we've seen in previous years that he has helped them climb into really bad records at first for them making it to the playoffs. We have seen that bubble or not, the fact that the Miami Heat has even managed to make it to the finals of 2020. Because think about it, they beat Milwaukee. Um, they beat, uh, you know, a lot of other, other teams even get Boston. to that. Boston as well. So when you think of Miami getting to that point, you have to give credit to Eric Spolstra. Because think about it, Eric Spolstra, he has shown that he can work with a lots of players, whether it be Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Bam and the Bio, or Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler came to Miami for a reason, because he wanted to be a part of winning culture. And who was the person responsible for making that winning culture besides Pat Riley? 
Eric Spolstra. So I think that people really need to get credit to Spolstra for what he has done for the city of Miami and that team and what he has created as a culture. Now, as far as Doc Rivers, I love Doc Rivers, but I do think that he don't deserve to be top 15 as a head coach of all time. And here's why. We know what he has done with Boston. We know that he has turned that team into what looked like nothing at first for them to winning the NBA championship was incredible. But with Doc Rivers, there's a lot of questions about him. There's a lot of questions, you know, about his integrity and what we have seen in Boston, what we have seen when he um, coached for the Clippers, and what we're seeing for what he has coached for the 76ers. And you have to think about the fact that Doc Rivers has not been in the best um, position in history sometimes when it came to being a coach. He has blown a lot of leagues. He had left teams sometimes in really bad positions. Like we have, you know, um, what we've seen with the Clippers in the bubble, what we've seen from Philadelphia and even Boston before they even won the championship and after the fact. So for Doc, I think he's a great coach, but I just don't think that he's worthy enough to be top 15 in NBA history. If Eric Spoelstra is one of the 15 greatest coaches in NBA history, then I guess that LeBron James played with a great coach all along. Because, you know, a lot of people were saying that LeBron James never played with a with an all-time great head coach. Well, because. apparently, uh, apparently, Eric Spoelstra is one of his is an all-time great coach. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So apparently LeBron James did play with one. So we can stop this nonsense. You know, there's, there's a lot of nonsense that's going on. Eric Spolstra, as good of a coach he is, I don't know if I look at him and say, yeah, that man's one of the 15 greatest coaches of all time. One of the 15? 15? I'm thinking, listen, if you say top 25, sure. But when I think about the 15 greatest coaches of all time, I'm sorry, Eric Spolstra does not ring a bell. Good coach, Steeson. I get it. And it's, let me let me let me let me not even go to ju- even just NBA history for the 75th anniversary. Let's go by this. Since 2000, would I really put Eric Spoelstra in the Mount Rushmore of great coaches in the 2000s? I'm serious. Not necessarily. I don't know. I don't, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Eric Spoelstra. I don't think that Eric Spoelstra would be in the Mount Rushmore of great head coaches. Seriously, I'm saying, and that's no diss to him, but I'm just saying I can name coaches that were better than him. Greg Popovich, Doc Rivers, Steve Kerr, Ty Lue, probably. You can make kids with Ty Lue. I'll even go this far. I think Rick Carlisle is a better coach than Eric Spolstra. Honestly, mm-hmm. you can think about that as well. So Eric I'm Spolstra, sorry, Spo don't deserve that disrespect. He don't deserve that. Mom. He better, he he better oh, that. wait. Uh, come on. I, I don't know. I've seen Eric Spolstra coach. That man could coach. Okay. I, I I'm sorry. I don't know about all that. Doc Rivers. Ah, uh, look, I like Doc Rivers. He won a championship with the Boston Celtics. But outside of that championship in Boston, when he was in Orlando, what did he do? Gave up a 3-1 lead. Mm-hmm. And that's when he had Trace McGrady. When mm. he was in, when he was with the Clippers, Live City, and even with Kawhi and Paul George, think about it, with Live City, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, he blew a three-one lead and a two-zero lead. Lord mm. have mercy. With Kawhi and Paul George, he blew a three-one lead. Now, granted, it was in the bubble. I get that, but it's crazy to me that you have three playoff series where you blew a three-one lead. That ain't good. That ain't good for a head coach. And the problem with Doc Rivers, I got to say this, Doc Rivers has a problem with making adjustments. We're not talking about just on the fly. We're talking about game by game. 
Doc Rivers does not like making adjustments. And also, usually if Doc Rivers is your head coach, you're going to be you're going to be one of the worst closing teams in NBA. I don't and that's even with Boston's big three with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce and KG. I don't know why that is, but in the fourth quarter, for some reason, they have problems. That's what that's why I think Doc Rivers got lucky that the Boston even won a championship because Boston was just they were deep. They were so superior. They were on another level. They wanted to win that championship in 08 so badly. I mean, they wanted to win it so badly that they had to win it that year because I don't know what's – because the other years, listen, health was a, was a big deal. I think that if KG and Glenn not, – not, well, not Glenn. If KG and Kendra Perkins never got hurt, I think they probably would have won two or three more. But that's just me, though. Um, Absolutely. But Doc Rivers just won in one championship and – Looking at his downfall, I'm sorry. I don't know. He should have been, you know, top 15. But like I said, but either way, regardless of how we feel, shout out to Eric Spolstra, you know, Greg Popovich, Doc Rivers, Steve Kerr, Casey Jones, and others making it. I mean, it's great that they did make the top 15 greatest coaches in NBA history. So shout out to them. All right, folks, that's it for the Bounce Podcast, episode 61. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Simplecast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and on YouTube, folks, I want you to like, comment, subscribe, download us, folks. I want you to let your friends, your family members, your associates know we here every week, baby, talking about sports. You know what the deal is. And playoff time and March Madness is coming. It's on its, on its way. But, we, but before we go, I want to I bring this up. The Brooklyn Nets signed Goran Dragic, and obviously he can be a backup point guard or maybe a starting point guard for Brooklyn. Loyo, quickly now, what are your thoughts about that? I think that's incredibly clutch, and I think that Dragic, he still has a lot of good intangibles offensively and defensively as a point guard. We've seen this before when he used to play for Miami and other teams, so I think that Brooklyn, knowing the position that they are right now, they're trying to push that run. I think Dragic is going to help them with that run. Yeah, indeed, and especially especially knowing the fact that we don't know when, you know, the mayor of New York City is going to lift that vaccine mandate, so because of that, they want to make sure because, like I said, Kyrie Irving is going gonna, is gonna to miss the majority of these games in the regular season. I mean, they're playing like, what, 24, 25 games left in the regular season right now. So he can only play about 10 of them. So having Dragic is very, very clutch. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Kyrie, you know, later on about how we feel and whatnot about – this is not about Kyrie. This is about Gordon Dragic. But shout out to Brooklyn Nets making this move. We just got to see. Look, Ben Simmons got to come back. We're we waiting for Ben Simmons. Kevin Durant has come back. We waited for Joe Harris, Nick Clanson's in and out of the lineup. So we'll see what happens. But this, as far as the point guard position or shooting guard, this is a good move to pursue, not only pursue, but acquire Goran Drakic. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Bounce Podcast, episode 61. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. Peace! Peace!